Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to our defense. Welcome back, everyone, to the Pro-Life Guys. My name is Peter, host of the show. That opening quote, whoever saves one life saves the world entire, was said by Isaac Stern in the movie Schindler's List. Uh, he was a Jewish man, one of those saved by Oscar Schindler. Uh, Oscar Schindler, a member of the Nazi party, who is credited with saving the lives of 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust, and he did this by employing them in the factories that he was running. And the quote uh, is a very great quote mentioned by Isaac Stern, whoever saves one life saves the world entire. And today on the show, we're going to be having a conversation with, with someone in the movement who is doing everything she can to save life after life after life, preborn child after preborn child. Uh, but before we introduce her, Cam. Cam, good to see you again. I don't mean to to forget to bring you on. Good to see you again, my friend, co-host of the show. It is all good. With this guest coming on, I am playing third fiddle, and I fully embrace it because I am super excited as well about the guest we're about to have on. I'm fired up to be back on. I know that my colleagues make fun of me every time about how excited I am to be back on this show. Um, but you know what? It's just exciting. It's just very, very cool to um, be able to share with you guys, our faithful audience, about how you can change minds and save lives. When I think of what brings me the most joy in my job, I think, well, first of all, um, actually getting to witness people change minds um, on abortion when I'm out doing activism, that's got to be top. But then after that, it is a uh, um, neck and neck fight between doing podcasts with Peter and having creative phone call jam sessions with Kyle Coffey, our Winnipeg guy. I love talking to Kyle. He's so creative and has a ton of really good ideas that can outside the box. And so this is right up there in my favorite things that I can do with my time at CCBR. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I'm excited about this guest as well. And I think it's safe to say, Cam, that our guest today has taken pregnancy care to a whole new level. No, you know, I'll even go further. She's revolutionized the way that crisis pregnancy care is done. Um, she's, she's taken crisis pregnancy into the 21st century with a bang. I don't know if she's been doing it the entire 21st century. I guess we'll find out in just a moment. Um, <laughs> uh, but really revolutionized the way that it's done. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say any more. We're going to get into the, the interview just shortly. Um, but her name is Laura Clausen with Choice for Two. She's the founder and director of Choice for Two. And this is a group that seeks to create awareness about the humanity of preborn children and to provide support to women who are facing unplanned pregnancies or dealing with post-abortion problems. 
Like I said, like Cam said, we're super excited. We hope you are excited as well. So here it is. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you started Choice for Two? Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know what details you want about myself, but <laughs> Choice for Two, I started it because I was um, volunteering at my local pregnancy resource center. And I just kind of noticed that people didn't actually know that the center was even there. Um, and then also, I found it really frustrating when we get in contact with someone from a different area, and I didn't know who to refer them to. Like, we didn't have any sort of central spot where you could just look up the centers in Canada like they had in the US. Like, they, we sort of had it, but it was really out of date. And like, we basically didn't have it. Um, so that was kind of the thinking behind starting Choice for Two. At the same time, um, I was just realizing how many people didn't know really anything about abortion in Canada. Like Canadians didn't know that we didn't have a law. Um, so I just kind of wanted to somehow get the message a little bit more out there. So that's that's how it started. Yeah, very cool. If I could take a step back just a little bit, what was it that got you involved in that Pregnancy Resource Center to begin with? Um, I guess I... Like abortion always really bothered me since I, I saw a graphic image when I was a little kid and it really stuck with me my, my whole life. Um, and I just, I don't know, I was always kind of involved in different things like um, prostitution outreaches and stuff in Toronto. And I don't know, I was just, I just wanted to go check it out and see. And honestly, I also wanted to do something just because I was passionate about the abortion issue. And so I thought like, okay, well, I'll get involved with people who are doing something and I'll just see what's going on there. So nice. That, that makes a ton of sense. And I, yeah. I, so I've, I've done a little tiny bit of work with pregnancy care centers and, and I can totally understand that idea of like people not knowing at all what is available. Right. I mean, we, Peter yeah. and I talk to people on the street all the time that, that have this impression that, there's no help available. Nobody is looking out for wanting to support pregnant mothers and that the pro-life movement is only about the advancement of, of legislation and whatnot. And and is it fair to say that that's not the truth at all, that there's actually a, a little bit of support out there for mothers? Oh, there's, there's a huge amount of support. And like even forget the like forget the uh, uh, pro-life or anti-abortion community, like just the government. Because now we're helping women all over the world. So when we get a woman in Africa who's facing an unplanned pregnancy, like she's in trouble. Um, you know, she is actually going to give birth on the street and then sit there on the street with a newborn. Like that is not going to happen in Canada. So like just the government programs available, you you are going to be fine. All of your basic needs are going to be met. Like you're going to be okay. And you can just go up from there. But then, yeah, you've got this whole community of people who are just going to help you so much. So that's what, like, I want people to be able to tap into that. So you guys are reaching people all over the world, which is pretty phenomenal. But starting Choice for Two and recognizing that you needed to, to get out there, people didn't really know about some of the options that were available to them. Like, what makes Choice for Two different? Like, let our listeners know a little bit about what you guys do with Choice for Two, how you get in contact with the women, and, uh, like, what sort of conversations you have when, you, when you're talking to them. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So what we have is we have the database that we put together and we update it um, every every year. We comb through that whole thing and um, and update it. So we have that. But then, yeah, the social media is where we're reaching women. We do use like Google ads and stuff like that for for when they're searching for abortion clinics. But mostly we reach them through social media and mostly they message me 
<laughs> whenever I put out stuff like abortion is murder or stuff like that, that's when I get a lot of women being like, oh, um, okay, like, I guess I shouldn't choose abortion. Like, can you help me? So that's something that's kind of new because I didn't used to say that. But since I started saying that, so many people are contacting us and just referring their, to their friends and just a lot of conversation. That's so cool. And and I'd be curious. So when, when you first started Choice for Two, I, I don't know how big you kind of envisioned it to get, but has there been significant growth in, I mean, even needing to build a team of people responding? I mean, I I follow you guys on, on social media and it's incredible. You, I mean, I feel like you're posting a, a post every day or two of another mama chose life, another talking to another mama who's doing this. Did you ever anticipate the amount of reach that you guys were going to have with Choice for Two? No, no. And it's cool because everyone's volunteer too. Like we don't actually have any paid staff. So um, I, I really like that about it because um, basically we don't have to answer to anyone, you know, like we don't have charitable status. So we don't care about like if I had charitable status, I probably wouldn't be able to say abortions murder. Um, and everyone's volunteer. So it's not like we have to keep any funding coming in because we don't actually need it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it def I definitely did not expect it to get this big. And I just trained a new person this week because it's it's almost it's it's getting overwhelming just with all the different platforms we have, like which is a good thing. So and lots there's lots of interest of people wanting to get involved. So it's really cool. Yeah. Okay. So you make these posts, people reach out to you. What do they say? Like, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. Or my friend here is pregnant. Please get in contact yeah. with them. So you get in contact with these people. Like, how does the conversation go from there? I mean, so when I'm thinking about this, I'm not imagining, I could be totally wrong, that we have all these pro-choice people or apathetic people who are following you, just waiting for you to do a post and them to be pregnant at the same time so that they can message you. I know like I, I run some of the CCBR pages and the only pro-choice people that follow us are the ones that are trolling us and trying to, you know, make all the, the comments that are completely unnecessary right. on, uh, on all of our content. So the, I guess the big question is like, how do these women find you? And then what does the conversation look like when you're talking to them? Yeah, so it's definitely a lot of the trolls, but then the trolls get pregnant. Um, and, and what happened was like, there's a couple like troll groups made to troll me. So they'll post my stuff in there. And then that has been really cool because we've actually had, I think now three babies um, saved because of that troll group. Like people posted it in there being like, look what an idiot she is. And then there, a woman in that group saw it and was like, hey, like, okay, but will you actually help me? <laughs> and, and then I was like, yeah. So that's been working like that. Honestly, they help us so much by sharing our stuff to make fun of us into all these groups. That's, that's how we're reaching people. That's amazing. That, that makes me think of the quote, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah, totally. You're trying to slander me. You're trying to say all these nasty yeah. things about me. You're trying to throw me under the bus and get all of your friends to throw me under the bus as well. Right. And then like four babies are saved because you're doing that. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> that's phenomenal. One one thing that I, I want to run in, and Peter kind of touched on this as well, like I'm sure that you sometimes get people who message you directly and say, hey, a friend of mine or or my sister or somebody is considering abortion. What do I say to them? Do you have... Like, do you coach them through it? Do you try to get them to transfer the communication with the mother directly to yourself? What's kind of your approach for that? Yeah, we do try to get direct conversation just because it's so hard to go through a third party. But we will like give them some pointers of like, okay, um, like listen, listen to her, hear her out for where she's at in her situation. Uh, keep the focus on the baby. Like this isn't a pregnancy. Well, it is, but this is a child you're talking about. Um, and so those are... 
kind of the main pointers. And then also like, let her know there's a ton of support. Like we will help her. So um, that, but we do try and get in contact directly and then just really, you know, they don't just message us and we're like, abortion's murder. <laughs> like it, oh, does, it does, it does come up though, because after we build a little bit of a relationship with them, we're like, look, like you're actually talking about killing your own child here. So no matter, no matter what you're going through, like that should not be your answer. That is not your answer to this. Like you have other options. So let's just take that off the table because that's crazy. And let's go from here and, and figure out how, like what, what you're going to do and how you're going to get through this. That's how it usually goes. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's great. A lot of the rhetoric we hear on the streets is that you know, abortion is preventing a child coming to into existence. But what you're talking about is really highlighting to them that we're not preventing a child from coming into existence, but we're talking about what we should do with the child that already does exist. So that that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Your baby's here. So now it's up to you. And I also say like, you are the only one who can protect this baby now. And that's very true. So like, this is, this is on you, right? So like the choice that you make now is for you to now, to now live with and, you know, choice for two. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I think often of some words that Stephanie Gray once said way back when. I'm sure that she said it more than once. But but this idea of abortion doesn't make a poor woman rich. Abortion yeah. doesn't um, solve our problems. It it isn't even. I mean, so many times people refer to abortion as being like a band aid solution of like this isn't getting to the core of the issue. It's just kind of fixing topically. But I don't even think that that's a good metaphor, right? Because abortion isn't actually going to alleviate a lot of the suffering it, it may kick the can down the field a little bit but it's not going to fix an abusive relationship it's not going to make a poor woman rich and when people realize that yeah they they need help but that isn't the kind of help that they need i'm, I'm sure that is a whole different paradigm switch that it's not a matter of a, a logical sort of thing but just a you know this this isn't actually going to fix all my problems i need to go to a different source i need to look at different solutions towards getting myself into a healthier state of life and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And but your baby can do that. Right. So like, yeah, like you said, it doesn't make anything any better. And one of the videos we made was of my friend Felicia and she was exactly that. Like, you know, she was just in a really, really bad situation, like homeless doing drugs. She got an abortion and she was still homeless and doing drugs and in an abusive relationship. Like it did not fix anything except now she had the guilt um, that she killed her own child. So it just made things way worse. So then when she got pregnant and she decided to keep that baby, that's when her life completely changed. And her life has been turned upside down now because, you know, there's that responsibility. She went back to school, got a degree. She's got a job. She's got a house now. She's getting married in a couple of months. Like it's a huge upside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You you mentioned, so you're based in Canada. Um, we won't tell exactly where, um, but you're here in Canada, but you mentioned that you talk to people all over the world. It, like, like you have people reach out to you from, you mentioned Africa um, and various parts of the world uh, talking about, uh, you know, the fact that they're pregnant in difficult situations. Is that difficult? Like different yeah. cultures, different languages, yeah. all of that. So basically if they can't speak English at this point, it's, you know, we, they, we haven't really been messaged by too many people who can't speak English. Uh, at this point. But yeah, there is definitely a cultural, uh, well, there's the language barrier. At, we're a lot more blunt in that case, because we don't want them to misunderstand what, what we're saying. Um, but that it's such a different situation there. Like we had a, a mom and a, a pregnant woman in Zimbabwe who was kicked out and homeless. And she was saying that um, 
her mom had almost died in childbirth and she had the same condition and she couldn't afford to give birth in the hospital. She couldn't afford anything. And so we ended up paying for her to give birth in hospital, which was really key because the hospital then told us, well, like we were in contact with her while she was in labor and uh, she needed a C-section or she would die. And they were like, they wouldn't do it unless she had, they had the money. So like we, we quickly fundraised for that in no time. But like, that's crazy to me that like she and the baby would have been dead if like people in Canada hadn't paid for the, the bill. But so like stuff, stuff gets really uh, crazy and intense when you're dealing with, yeah, these other countries. Well, and that's got to be so satisfying when, when you keep reading in the headlines, how much money Justin Trudeau and liberal government are like funneling overseas for abortion for everything. Yeah. And, and I've spoken to a lot of Canadians who feel helpless when it's, one of Canada's greatest re- or biggest resources, I should say, is abortion and abortion access to yeah. know that, that there are small ways that we can actually help people overseas. As much as the ministry is largely in Canada, I'm sure that's got to be satisfying for the, the Choice for Two community that, that we can actually make a difference more than just our neighbors and, and people in immediate contact. We, we can have a profound impact all around the world. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm sure like now that word's spreading, we're, we're getting a lot more like we're in South Africa, not in there, but women from South Africa and a couple other African countries this week. So we'll be probably fundraising for them soon. So sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. Uh, you mentioned, you know, getting support from people in Canada here. And I know you hear this all the time. We hear it on the streets as well, that we just care about the babies, the fetuses, the embryos. We're, we're pro-birth and after birth. We don't really care whatsoever. And uh, in that respect, we embody the entire pro-life movement. The whole pro-life movement only cares for, you know, mothers to go through this very, you know, unjust, as it were, we hear on the streets, activity of being pregnant. And then as soon as they give birth, we don't really care. But just for the record, uh, I know you've done... Um, I, I know you've done, uh, what are they called? These yeah. registries, uh, baby registries and, uh, and getting finances for people in difficult circumstances, just for the record, like, is there support within the community, um, the, the anti-abortion community, the pro-life community for mothers and fathers, uh, who may be involved, um, and their children, not only in Canada, but also around the world. Yeah. And it's massive. Uh, it's, it's really huge. And I even had, um, this week, not this week, sorry, this month, um, a pastor in Edmonton, um, write and say that his church is committed to completely helping any woman in their area, um, in any way they can. So, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different churches and organizations like that, that are going to go all in. So we just kind of connect people in to the right spots locally. If there's nothing local, we help them. Yeah, people people love to buy stuff off a of baby registry. Um, and we set up registries for older kids too. Yeah, it's not it's not just pro-birth. Of course I'm pro-birth as opposed to like killing the baby before birth, but yeah, like we we do help way past birth. That's so cool. And and I'm sure that you've probably got some cool stories of I, I see again posts on on social media and whatnot that that moms are sending you. Uh, whether months or years after the child has been born, just staying in touch. Do you find that that many mothers stay in touch with you after they've gone through um, having the child and the first couple months? Do you maintain any kind of relationship with them or is it just kind of sporadic here and there, do you find? No, we do. Um, we have support groups set up that are private just for the women that we've helped. And uh, yeah, we keep in touch. Um, when we set that up, it was about a year and a half ago. So the oldest baby in that group is, is just about to turn one. Um, so they, you know, I get pictures of the kids like 
like at least every month from usually from a lot of the moms, which is so cool just to see these kids growing up and knowing that like they came so close to being killed before birth. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I just think my, my colleague Alex, he's, he's one office over and um, he got in touch with a mom who was planning on having an abortion. She received one of our postcards while Alex was dropping off postcards and changed her mind, decided to cancel her abortion um, procedure, had the baby and they're still in touch with them. Like, like they yeah. were over at her place for lunch, like a, a month oh, ago or so. Awesome. And it's so cool seeing these pictures, yeah. of these, these kids growing up and how we're able to maintain some kind of relationship at, at the discretion of the moms generally, obviously. Right. But mm-hmm. it's just so cool seeing that. Yeah. So as you know, Laura, um, and our listeners would know this as well. We work for CCBR. We use abortion victim photography when we're on the streets. Now, I follow you on, on, on social media, on Instagram. I, I'm sure you're on many other social media platforms, but I don't follow you on all of them. And you, you, you've been using uh, abortion victim photography as well on your social media. Is this something that you use in conversations? You're talking to the woman and, and like, do you share with them images of what abortion would actually do to their child? Yeah, a lot of the time when I post stuff, online that's like strategic because i'm actually talking to a woman and i don't send them i'm not like boom here in your inbox is this is this picture um but i will post it on on the pages and they do see it because they're talking with me um and actually twitter kicked me off yesterday because of that so i got to figure that out but um yeah, I, I often send the uh, abortion procedures videos that Live Action did. We have them up on our website too. Just, you know, ask permission. I'm like, hey, you're about to do this procedure. Do you know what it actually is? Like, do you know what it actually looks like? And that video, those videos are good um, because they're not too graphically scary. I don't know. Like, I don't feel bad sending that. The, the, thing that, the thing that's weird about those videos is the baby doesn't react to anything happening, right? So that makes it a, which is wrong. Like, that's not what's happening, but it makes it a little easier for someone to watch. But so I, I tell them that I'm like, the baby's not going to be reacting in this video in real life. You know, they are. So, um, so yeah, I'll send them that and I'll post the graphic videos publicly and pictures mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that like that has a big effect on them in your conversations like that helps them uh, make the decision not to get an abortion you would say yeah because i think at this point most women do know that it's a child it's a baby um i think you know the media just the information available out there they do know they have been told uh, for many years that it's just a clump um that was the whole angle of like planned parenthood for so long but now even they have switched they're like yeah it's a human being but it's okay to kill it because um so i i do think most women know but then they just don't connect that in their brains as to what this is actually going to look like that this is a slaughtered human being so i do feel it's important and enough and also like these are the victims, right? Like you, you guys are all about that, but like, why would we be hiding away the victims when we're trying to save these people? Like, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, t- we totally agree. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, a good friend of ours, obviously Devora. um, you, you probably met Devora, Devora yeah. Stacy now, I want to say, um, right. <laughs> that, I mean, she, she often uses this quote of, you know, what love without truth is a lie. That, that yes, truth without love is ineffective. If, if we're just like shouting out facts at people and doing this for our own self-righteous aims and whatever, then, then we're probably not going to get very far. Right. But you really can't love these women genuinely 
if if you're not going to be honest with them and right. yeah like you said share the reality of like do you know that this yeah. is what's going to happen to your kid sort of thing do you ever get kind of pushback on how direct how honest you should be with mothers and and yeah. how much you should like kind of walk on eggshells around the conversation yeah for sure like when i started it was interesting cuz i don't know how connected you guys are to the states but i'm i'm pretty connected now and when I first started doing stuff, they were kind of like, okay, here's how it is. Here's how the pro-life movement is. Here's what you can't say. Um, you can't say murder. You would never say anti-abortion. You would say pro-life. Um, and just kind of all these different things. And 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 that's, that is kind of how I was doing things and how I thought about things. But then um, I had this one very memorable um, conversation with a woman and she, I didn't say any of the things I wanted to say. And she had the abortion. And she wrote me the next day um, saying, you know, you were right. I shouldn't have done it. And I just knew, I just knew I hadn't done everything that I could have done to save that baby. Um, and then weirdly enough, um, like, and this happens quite often after a woman gets an abortion, she gets pregnant right away. Um, and that's what happened in this case. And she messaged me and I was like, look, <laughs> like, do not murder another one of your babies. Like that's, that is what happened. Like, we're not going to sugarcoat it. That's what happened. And now you have another child here. So don't, please don't do that again. And she was like, yeah, like, I mean, she'd already come to the conclusion herself that, that it was wrong. And she was really um, missing that baby. Now I almost always use the word murder. I'm not screaming it at women. Like, I think it's funny that people will say that to me also because everything's done through, um, like typing. <laughs> I don't know, you can caps, all caps, uh, this is murder, but um, it's not like that. It is a loving conversation. And if I didn't care about these women, I wouldn't say that. But I've seen, I've seen the fallout and the destruction and I've talked women down from suicide. And I know one woman who's committed suicide after abortion. And I just, I know what that path looks like. And if I didn't care about them, I wouldn't warn them ahead of time. I wouldn't tell them the truth. But it is, it is true that it is murder and she will be the one responsible. And so, yes, it is the most loving thing to just tell them the truth. Yeah. And, and I think that you touch on a really good point there, too. I mean, so often when we're on the street, we're engaging people, people will say, oh, well, what about post-abortive women? Like, like, can't you understand how your education, your images are traumatizing and, and impacting yeah. post-sportive women? And, and we often start by talking about, okay, well, we want to connect post-sportive women with help and healing, that yeah. kind of thing with the incredible post-sportive resources in Canada, but yeah. also recognizing that these are some of the most vulnerable women for more abortions, right? The huge number of abortions performed in Canada are performed on mothers who have already had yeah. one abortion or more sometimes, right? Yes, yeah. So many repeat abortions. That's also like, I'm not sure what the exact stat is, but definitely from the women I've talked to, most of them have already had an abortion. And then we're, you know, helping them not to choose abortion the second time. But yeah, so many of them repeat. Yeah. And and the influence that they probably have on other people around them. You, you think of the people you were mentioning, mentioning the groups beforehand of, of the groups that are out there trolling you and whatnot. And how many people after they've chosen abortion feel like they have to either um, solidify in that worldview or defend that worldview so that yeah. because of that prick of guilt and, and yes. whatnot, that they, they end up being so active in encouraging other people to have abortions. And that's why it's so essential that, that we actually engage these people and yeah. help change their mind and, and call a spade a spade ultimately, I suppose. Yes. Yes. You can, you can spot them immediately. Like the super hateful, um, people, 
they're mostly post-abortive and it's just so, it's so sad and it's so easy to see them. But, um, the cool thing is, is that we've seen a lot of people switch sides on that. Like some of the nastiest trolls and even like, this is why I'm mad that I'm off Twitter right now is because I'm talking with a woman who's like been my number one troll for the longest time. And then she got pregnant and she told me. <laughs> so, um, it's just interesting. It's like, they know they can come and talk to us and we will, will help them. They, they know we're, we're there. And so, um, just another interesting thing alongside that is like, even at my own church, which I didn't know, but when I started um, really coming out against abortion, um, one of the women in my church went and talked to the leadership being like, this is awful. She can't do that. You know, I'm post-abortive. Um, you know, this is really hurtful and all of this. And she has completely come around now, first of all, taking ownership and finding forgiveness for what she's done, which is huge, right? Like it's a huge, guilt is so heavy. Um, and so she's come all the way around and now she is one of the most outspoken anti-abortion people <laughs> that we have. And she's on our team and she's, um, she's the person that we um, have uh, kind of speaking with and, and counseling post-abortive women. Yeah. So working for CCBR, uh, we've had a lot of conversa conversations on the streets with women, you know, whether it be on campuses or on the streets, who say things like, how am I supposed to raise a baby all by myself? And this is because the men in their lives act like boys. They don't take responsibility for their actions. Uh, all they want to do is have sex and a really good time on Friday night, but they don't care about the next nine months right. or even further. Is this something you see as well? Um, like, are a lot of the women you talk to um, like have the, the guys in their life left or, or really don't want to take responsibility. Is that why they're in um, perhaps difficult situations? Yeah. Um, do you find that as well? Like we hear that on the streets all the time. So just curious, like in your line of work with the conversations you have, is that something you experience as well? Yeah. It's like 99% of the time, the guy's like, I don't, I don't want the baby take care of this. Um, I'm out of here. That's it. So that's a huge, there's a huge cultural problem here with, uh, you know, honestly, sex outside of marriage, shouldn't be happening. This is like the fallout and babies are dying because of, uh, because of all of that. And that sounds, you know, people think, Oh, like that's, you're super uptight and super religious to say that, but no, because, um, you know, sex is, has a purpose and, <laughs> you know, the main one is to procreate. So, um, but yeah, men, men just piecing out. Oh, I'm so irritated. This, this, this whole culture is so, so messed up. And I really wish guys would step up, but also then I say to women in those situations, like, you are not starting off in the ideal spot here to be pregnant. Like you're not, you should be in a committed relationship, you know, marriage. This is, it's built for this. Um, you're not. So that is really unfortunate, but, but now you've got a child. And so you're either going to kill this child or not like, you know, kind of let's go up from here. It's going to be really hard. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be really hard, but it is always the right choice not to kill the baby. That's awesome. And, and I think that that's so necessary for people to hear that, that yeah, it, it is doable, right? That, that this, yeah. the number of people like Peter said that, that this is impossible. And I think that you've been very clear on like, no, this, this is very manageable. And yeah. I, I know that you, you probably keep the stories of, of the people that you work with fairly, fairly kind of private and whatnot, because you don't want to be putting them on showcase and whatnot. And so, but I'm sure people can learn a little bit about those journeys that, that people have overcome. I know that uh, we've worked with people who share their story of, yeah, I, I got pregnant while I was in high school and I overcame this and this and this and like, it's doable and right. how powerful and valuable that story can be. Yeah. Do you think there's a role for 
mothers like that, mothers and, and fathers arguably as well, who have gone through extraordinary challenges to share what they've gone through and the help that they were able to receive and what they were able to navigate to really yeah. inspire those other mothers who may be going through similar situations now. Oh yeah, it's so key. And we get so many of those messages, which is awesome. Like random people pretty much every day messaging me their story. And then they say, you know, that I can, I can post it sometimes with their name. Sometimes they want to stay anonymous, but those stories, yeah, those stories are so important. And then I've had women, uh, read those stories and say, okay, I read the story on your page. She did it. I'm going to do it too. Can you help me? Like the ripple effect is huge. So I love it. I love when people share their, their stories about choosing life and also their stories about choosing abortion because that's very impactful too. Mm -hmm. are, are there any stories in particular that kind of stand out, kind of like your go-to, like, hey, look, read this story from Nancy or, or from Jill or whomever sort of thing. Like, are there any stories that really stand out as go-tos that you can share that that may work to inspire people. I mean, most of our followers or people listening to this podcast are pro-life and learning about how to have better conversations. But we've already had a few people mention to us that they're pro-choice and they're listening to the show. And whether wh whoever the audience is, are there go-to stories that, that you think would be particularly inspiring for people to be aware of? Yeah. Um, like there's, there's so many, honestly, like okay. I'm, I'm always <laughs> posting them. And then the, also the women that we work with, but we, we have a page on the choice for two website called stories and people write in and give us permission to publish their story. And so there's a ton on there and we're always, we're always adding them, but mostly we're adding them on social media. Um, if people want to have like a go-to example or um, when I'm talking with women, what I do a lot of the time is share the videos that we made in the um, Choose Life series, which is exactly that, um, or the Not Empowering series, which is about choosing abortion. And we've made some really uh, powerful stories um, and like through video that, that we send to the women. So how long have you been doing this? Sorry. Uh, it's five years. Five years. Okay. Wow. So you've had a lot of conversations in five years. Yeah. Um, is there one particular story that really sticks out amongst the rest in, in your mind? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like there's so many. I would say um, Felicia, who I can I can share her story openly because we, we filmed it. We filmed her twice, actually. She's the girl I just mentioned earlier. So obviously her story does stick out to me. Um, she did. She was a drug addict, homeless person who... Um, was in a very, very rela uh, abusive relationship and she chose abortion. And um, so we filmed that story. And uh, then when she got pregnant again, she actually ended up getting arrested. And there was some sort of deal happening with the police where they found out she was pregnant. And um, some of the police have uh, relationships with maternity homes here in Canada. And it's kind of presented to the women as an alternative to jail. So um, she ended up going to um, my local maternity home here in Ajax, which is closed now. But uh, she went there and she was harsh. <laughs> she was uh, a very, you know, a very wounded person. And she quit drugs and alcohol cold turkey. She threw the maternity home, got her college degree. She had her baby. She moved out. She got her own place. Uh, just like total, total success story. And now she's about to get married. And I actually, uh, when I met her 
So it was her second pregnancy. I didn't know that she had had an abortion the first time. Um, and a couple of years into our relationship, she kind of opened up about that. And then she was the first video that we, that we filmed. She was the first person we filmed with her face on it being like, I had an abortion and it was, it was wrong. Um, which is huge because so far in this series, we have two and the other woman didn't want her face shown. And, and so we kept her anonymous, which is fine. And she has a really powerful story as well. But Felicia is so um, like, she's just done a 180 in her whole life and just wanting to be out there and, and try and save other babies now. So she, she has a really incredible story. That, that's amazing. It's always really encouraging for us uh, to hear like yeah. stories like this. It's, it's pretty cool. So you mentioned um, you have a number of video series. You have the Choose Life video series. You have the Not Empowered. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Not Empowering. Yeah, Not Empowering. But you also have, and I don't know um, what this series is called, but it's you with the pink hair. Just saying. Um, Just doing saying. Pretty cool videos. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I apologize for my uh, <laughs> lack of pink hair. Is good enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I say pink hair, everyone knows. So you yeah. have a number of these videos. The the most popular, I think, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the one with the magical birth canal. Yeah. Which is really cool. We hear about the magical magical birth canal yeah. regularly yep. when we're on the streets. They don't say that word, but they yeah. they certainly do believe um, what is satirically portrayed in the video. But let me ask you. Um, like, what was the inspiration behind some of these videos? Like, like it's very clear to see the inspiration behind the Choose Life yeah. and the Not Empowering videos, um, telling the stories of people who have either chosen life yeah. or gotten an abortion and regretted it. And um, But what was the inspiration behind these Just Saying videos? So that was uh, kind of to tackle the second reason of why I, I wanted to start Choice for Two, which was to reach the public, not just be speaking to the choir. So I just basically looked at, kind of general media and what was popular and what videos were going viral and getting out there. And I, and I personally drawn to like satire. I, I think it's really funny and I love it. And that's the kind of stuff I would be sharing. So I thought, okay, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's make the satire videos to address uh, these different little sayings that the pro-choice community has and different beliefs that they have. And the first one, it was called My Body, My Choice. Um, and that was, it did, it did really well. But then I, I was looking at it and thinking, how can we, how can we make a video go farther? And so that's where we got the idea of the, the pink wig. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just an eye-catching thing, really. That's, that was the whole reason behind it. And I noticed a lot of pro-choice people that were trolling my pages um, have pink hair. So um, that's where the that's where the pink wig came from, and it told it worked. Like yeah, that video went viral with the magical birth canal, and the costumes and and stuff like that. Yeah, could you could you explain the magical birth canal video um, <laughs> for those of, for those of us for for those of us I've seen it, but for those who are listening who haven't seen it, we'll we'll link it in the description as well in the yeah. in the show notes. But could you explain to us what that one minute video is? Yeah, so that's addressing human rights and and when you get them. Because as, as you know, here in Canada, legally, you don't have any human rights until you have fully exited the birth canal, right? Um, so that's what I was like, well, it must be a magical birth canal, like where one second, you're basically nothing, you're worth nothing, you'll come through the magical birth canal, and boom, human rights. So that's, that's the whole idea of the video. And, and we had the baby, and we had this giant, sparkly birth canal <laughs> that we were kind of moving the baby along just to like give a visual to it that here is the baby and over here 
it's not a baby comes through this birth canal and now it's a baby with human rights like and so that that was the whole video yeah i i loved it i thought that it was so on the nose and and all of the videos just like tackle these slogans that get chanted at, at rallies all the time and really really hit them right on the head i have to say one of my favorite ones is the no uterus no say because i know um the yeah. fella in it quite well <laughs> and i can only imagine how difficult that was for him to just sit there and not say anything because yeah. he's one of the the most vocal people i know and that, that's why his expressions were so gold because it was like jonathan sit there yeah. and keep your mouth shut and now and i didn't give him the script ahead of time which like he's i guess he's pretty <laughs> trusting because i didn't i wanted to get like some awesome expressions which we totally got yeah. Yeah. So around here, we screenshotted a number of those expressions and put them to memes that have been passed around several times. So that's pretty funny. I, Amazing. Yeah, I say that because he's listening, uh, or he's oh. he's going to be listening to this episode because he listens to all the things we put out. So hi, Jonathan. Another one I liked so uh, was the one I think it's titled "Consent" uh, or something along those lines. Um, one thing we hear off all the time is like, just because I had sex, like. Yeah. Like that doesn't, I'm not giving consent to giving birth. It's like me saying, just because I decided to hit a baseball beside my neighbor's house, it didn't mean that, right. you know, I have to pay for the broken window because the baseball went into their living room. Right. Uh, or the way you put it was uh, just because I can eat all these donuts doesn't mean that I consent to getting fat. Right. Um, which is pretty cool. So what, what has some of the, the response been to these videos? So you, you're trying to reach the culture, which I um, mean, you're getting a, a good amount of views on them. Yeah. Um, is this something that pr uh, people who are pregnancy and, and, turn from as well or or like what what's some of the response you, that you've heard from some of these videos uh all all kinds of response um generally everyone ah uh, well most people from our side love them a lot of people didn't catch that it was satire which was really amusing so you got some you know i got some pretty wordy emails there from some priests and stuff where i, where I was like no, i'm actually quite against abortion um so that was funny. But then once they understood it, they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, if you're reaching the culture this way, like, fine. Um, lots of, a lot of, a lot of hate from, from that side. Had people from the other side switch sides because, you know, they watched it and they were like, oh, yeah, this, okay, that, that is what I believe. And I, I guess that doesn't make sense. And then they started looking into it. So that was cool. But um, I think maybe our biggest our biggest thing so far in terms of reaching the culture was that like Vice contacted us um, and they wanted to come and, and do a show, which I actually, we actually put it off for like almost a year because I just wasn't sure like how this was going to go, you know, like obviously they're not anti-abortion, although Vice these days has been trying to be a little more, you know, a little more neutral on different things, but so we just, you know, had to remind ourselves as to like what our actual goal was, and it is to reach the other side, so to speak. And they do have a lot of viewers from the other side. So that was that was pretty cool. And it turned out overall pretty, pretty good. There, there were a few things where, you know, they made me say some crazy things, which, you know, were taken out of context. But that was fine. Like overall, I was really happy with it. Yeah, that's that's great. You've also had uh, people from different countries um what do you call it mimic these videos as well is that right yeah like they remade them in in their own languages and like they got their own pink wig and <laughs> that's that's pretty cool it's cool to see that the message like of satire like that works mm -hmm. in their country too that's that's neat 
Right. Do you get ideas sent in for, for next videos? Like, I, I know that this isn't an everyday sort of thing. You're not filming videos constantly because partly, I'm sure, because you have so many different mothers that you're working with. Do you get yeah. ideas sent in from people and, and suggestions on like, hey, Laura, do a do a video on this one and, and like almost yeah. fan scripts sent into you or or what is yeah yeah we do i yeah. yeah entire scripts and stuff written out yeah it's it is cool it's cool that people like you know they're invested kind of in this idea um and then i guess i mean i guess people have had the same idea you know that we had for a video that we put out and then they'll be like hey that's my idea like you did it <laughs> Great. Sure. Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> I mean, there's only so many things, right? In terms of, and in terms of like what's popular with, um, with the movement and, and, and the wording of things like consent, that's a more recent thing that's been going on. Right. So probably wouldn't have made that video two years back. It's something that they're pulling out now. So we're just trying to stay relevant and I love it. I love when people send me their ideas. It's great. All right, Laura. So let's say someone's listening and they either want to get their church involved or they want to volunteer in some way or see how they can help out, or they want to uh, share your information with someone uh, who is pro-choice or anything like that, what's the best way to get in contact with Choice for Two and uh, and you, Laura? Yeah, well, uh, there's our website, choice42.com, which is the number four and the number two. Um, we're on all the social media, Choice for Two, um, or just like mine, Laura Clausen, except Twitter, because I'm banned on there right now. Um, and... Yeah, the, uh, they can connect with us any of those ways. And I would love to see churches get involved, P.S., because I feel like um, we've completely dropped dropped the ball here in Canada on this entire issue. So let's go. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I think the churches should get involved. I think this should be like a central thing for the churches. This is a whole nother discussion, but there's a, <laughs> there's a certain focus on the fatherless in Scripture uh, that we need to take seriously and, and recognize when it comes to the conversation of abortion. But perhaps that's another episode because uh, we could go for quite some time on that. We could. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Laura, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for sharing what you do at Choice for Two. You said it's choiceforto.ca, am I correct? Dot com. Dot com. Don't go choiceforto.ca. It's choiceforto.com. We own them oh, it both. does. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, or find Choice for Two on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, hopefully very, very soon. Yeah. Um, and and perhaps other platforms that you're on. Get in contact with Laura. And wherever you are, I know we have people listening from all over the place. Get involved in the movement to do what you can to save preborn children from abortion. Laura, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Well, everyone, we are the pro-life guys. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We hope you enjoyed the discussion that we had today with Laura. We really want to encourage you. Cam and I uh, want to encourage you to share our episodes with your friends, share our content with your friends. Uh, let them know that we are on their podcast catcher. So find the pro-life guys on your podcast catcher and share it with uh, with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, the Pro-Life Guys podcast. You can find us on Instagram, at Pro-Life Guys. Our website is prolifeguys.com. I would like to do one shout-out, give one shout-out. We've been giving shout-outs on previous episodes. Today's shout-out goes to Clara from Argentina, who loves both Laura Clausen and the Pro-Life Guys. She's a faithful listener. She's provided some helpful feedback and uh, I thought this would be a good episode to give her a shout out since she loves the ministry Choice for Two and loves what Laura Clausen is doing here in Canada, uh, but not only here in Canada, but also around the world. 
Cam, as we end this episode, is there anything, my friend, that you would like to add? Any final words, any final thoughts? Just to echo your sentiments of sharing episodes, especially this episode, right? Like all of our episodes aim to equip pro-lifers with conversation skills. I think this one in particular, Laura highlights so eloquently and so importantly how much support, how much there is available to those faced with challenging pregnancies. And I think that this one can be a really, really powerful one to share especially because there's so many people in Canada who have that kind of fear, have that preconceived notion that there is no support available to pregnant mothers. I think this one can go a long way, in particular, in illuminating the actual reality in Canada and how there is support available. And there's a wonderful woman like Laura Clausen and her entire team of Choice for Two out there willing and capable of helping mothers and fathers through whatever hurdles they have lying before them. So definitely share that. And as always, let us know if you have a a particular topic, particular um, question that you have that you want us to address on one of our episodes. We'd love to dissect, whether it's a, a Facebook comment that you're having a hard time responding to, whether it's a video that has been shared to you and you don't know how to um, address the, the arguments presented, anything like that. Help us help you. We're here. We want to help you have better conversations. We want to help you change minds and save lives. And so help us do that by sending us whatever you think would be most helpful for yourself or for others in moving this nation's pro-life movement towards being more competent and more confident in conversations. Beauty. Thank you so much for that, Cam. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you tune in again next week as we come out with another episode. Uh, We're here to help you become a better pro-life advocate. So thank you so much and take care.